All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Am I recording? Welcome to episode 256 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the Kiss FAQ message board. Today I'm joined by Ken, 69th Blizzard. Hello. Marcus Almighty Mark. Hello, sir. And maybe, maybe, maybe someone else will trundle along and join us since uh, we did move the times around and communication is not our forte. All right. What news do we have in Kiss World? Obviously, they wrapped up their second leg of the End of the Road tour in Glasgow, my former hometown. Um, What's that? Two days ago. So they're back in the States now preparing for the third leg, which kicks off August the 6th in Florida. And David Garibaldi did tweet out that he would be joining them then. So... That kind of suggests that you won't be getting the 30th anniversary of any album by any other band performed as an opening act. Um, And instead, you will indeed be watching more paint dry, which most normal people don't go to 47 shows and thus see it repeatedly or miss it repeatedly. Um, Hey, Lonnie. What's up? Hey. We just started. I'm just monologuing, so kick back, open up a beer, and uh, I'll be done waffling anytime. Um, nice shirt. <laughs> it's 99. I feel you. I feel you, buddy. Over here, it's brutal as well. So, it's, so Lonnie's hot in the shade today. <laughs> Not much shade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are they saying? Um, yeah, David Garibaldi, it seems, will be opening up the dates in the summer in the U.S., which, of course, for normal people should not be a big deal because they haven't gone to plenty of shows already. And, you know, if that is the case, then you know what? He's going to bring the art to the people. So it is what it is. I, again, was entertained. I like David. He's done some really fun stuff. Loved his uh, portrait in Scotland, obviously, with the Scottish flag uh, behind Kiss. I know that drives some Americans nuts, as I found out way back when I did Mr. Blackwell's Kiss Experience in 1995 and got boycotted for having a Union Jack in the Kiss logo because they're an American band. Um, But maybe we moved on a little bit. So that's cool. The tour is a wrap. It's the same set list every night. A lot of happy faces. Those audiences in Britain were absolutely nuts. I was surprised by how packed those houses were. Um, all across Europe, fans have been you know, very positive about the experience that they've had, which is not surprising because it's a hell of a show. It's a, a great set list, so it is what it is. So if they're coming to your neck of the woods and you've missed them, don't miss them. Regardless, get off the fence and uh, go and see them. What else? Um, My brother shows the show in Manchester, England. He said it was absolutely fantastic. Um, He was up on Tommy's side of the stage, um, like in the lower bowl. Um, And he goes with me every time they come around. So, but he, he was impressed and he had, he's a fan, but he's not, you know, a, a diehard fan where I don't think he sat around and watched a lot of YouTube clips of the, of the of the tour, you know what I mean? But I think he was he was he was really impressed with how different the Kiss show was mm. as opposed to years of, you know, seeing yeah. them for the last 18 19 years since the fair going back including the farewell tour and you know what I mean? He was really impressed with how different it was despite the fact that you would complain about the set list or whatever. He was just he was just thoroughly impressed how different and different looking it was and how much of a different experience it was even though it was the same a lot of the same songs yeah i think it helped though i think it probably helped a lot to bring people in with that to be honest because i think that that was a major complaint with people before that they're seeing the same thing visually now they're not so i think that brought out a lot more people especially probably in europe where they probably you know were thinking now is the time to see them so they were probably double happy for it right 
Yeah, and come on, we're a KISS podcast, we're KISS fans, we're a totally skewed perspective. So, obviously, your brother's enough of a fan to go and see them in a different country, in Manchester, right. of all places. I mean, come on, Manchester. That's where, he was. That's where he was for work, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a Liverpool, again, I've said it before, I'm a Liverpool guy, so, um, you know, Manchester. <laughs> hate, hate mail coming in five four three two one. What other news do we have? Um, the great, the well, for me, the cool stuff is uh, the new Pods and Sods six pack episode came out today, and I, I was really flattered to be invited to be a part of this show with uh, Eric Miller and Lee McCormack to do a six pack of Peter Chris, and each one of us brought two of our favorite Peter Chris songs to the episode, talked about them, what they mean to us, what Peter means to us. And a whole bunch of kind of Peter Chris kiss related topics. So it was great to get an opportunity to, again, pay homage to Peter Chris, who these days is by far my favorite original member of the band, for very obvious reasons that we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Uh, but there are some great picks, so do go over to Pods and Sods. Um, and I, I don't even have the link ready. I'm so unprepared today because I was just listening to it. But go over onto the FAQ and I've got it stickied up at the top of the page. Because you know what? I think it's a pretty good episode. I just listened back to it and f I wasn't cringing listening to myself for once, which I never <laughs> listen to our shows, guys, because sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a complete tool and I don't really want to relive the experience so that's up there for your for your listening pleasure today's episode you know again we're going back to the board and there's a i, I said it on the pods and sods episode you know there's a a lot of good discussions that kind of get buried within the reputation of the faq people are like well it's the faq it's all you know negativity and banging on stuff people do start topics that start off very well um, they may well get derailed by some serial abusers, but you know what? There's a lot of good stuff on there to kind of dig into. And this show gives us the opportunity to kind of talk about some of these topics without the static of the trolls who I need to get around to banning. I'll get there. So why don't we your dig time in? Will come. Your, your, your number <laughs> is up. I can't keep you gone. Uh, you will be back. I know that you'll be have a new name. But uh, Chris, Rising Force, will smell you out and know immediately from your writing style that you were banned previously, and then he's watching you. And as soon as the evidence pops up, he will get out the hammer and squash you like the bug that you are. <laughs> and then the process repeats 245 times in the case of some people. All right, so let's uh, get into some of these bore topics today. Hair Metal Kiss, Crazy Nights versus Grunge Kiss, Carnival of Souls. Which do you prefer and why? Let's start this one off with Lonnie. I was listening to Carnival of Souls on my way home today because I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> Ken was prepared as well. So it's a difficult question because they're both albums. I mean, it is Crazy Crazy Nights is a stereotypical hair metal album. I mean, that's exactly what they were trying for. I mean, they wanted to be Bon Jovi. They wanted to be a Def Leppard type of sound. I mean, it's what ex and, they, and they got exactly what they were looking for. And Carnival of Souls came out in 97, a little late to the grunge party. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds grungy, I guess. And you know, it's in a different, you know, different. It's produced like a like a grunge album, but it's a difficult question, really. Which one of those two I prefer? And I think at the end of the day, I do choose Carnival of Souls over Crazy Nights, and that may be the unpopular opinion. And you know what? The show wouldn't be fun if we all had the same opinion. True. So I choose Carnival of Souls because I like the darker tones to it. I'm not, and, and I like hair metal. Don't get me wrong. I like Bon Jovi. Probably my wife tells me I like Bon Jovi a little more than I probably should. And, and I, and I like poison. I know that that's going to make Julian's nose turn up too, but I do prefer this album to crazy nights. I, I, 
I just do. I, I like Master and Slave. I love Hate. I'd, I'd love to see them perform Hate live. So they never will. They will never touch this album. You have a better, I think you have a better chance of them doing something off The Elder, which they actually have done live. They have done The Oath. They have done Eye on the Cruise. They have never touched this album on the cruise, not even close. Bruce has. Bruce embraces it because it's almost a Bruce Kulik solo album because of what was going on. But I choose this album over Crazy Nights. I like the songs better, and I like the darker tones and the, the darker production better than the poppiness and really trying to chase the hair metal scene in 1987. I want to bash Poison so badly, but they're really no different than Kiss, just with a little less makeup and more peroxide. Sure. In in, in those years, absolutely. Come on. Is there really that much difference between C.C. DeVille and Ace? Well, Mm, apart from Ace, Ace wrote a bunch of really catchy um, solos that people are copying and inspired people to um, pick up the guitar. People like C.C., and CC really knew how to have a good time. Well, Kiss wanted the B poison at the time. Kiss, I mean, look how they were dressing on the Asylum tour. Look how they were, and then look how Crazy Nice was produced. That has nothing to do with Poison. That's all Bond. But they wanted, but they wanted to be, they wanted to be a hair metal band like Poison. How about that? No, they didn't because Poison didn't exist when they were doing it. They wanted to be Bon Jovi and Def Leppard Pyromania era because you can't even look, say you. Crazy Nights has nothing to do with Hysteria because they were both being recorded around the same time. Hmm. Well, Hysteria was obviously being recorded for about nine years before it actually came out, but uh, <laughs> they both came yeah. out in the fall of, right? of 87. So yeah. there's never been a parallel between Def Leppard and Kiss other than Pyromania. But I'm stuck now. I, I, totally, I totally agree with you on Bon Jovi. Um, and I'm also guilty of liking Bon Jovi a little bit more than I'm supposed to admit, at least to keep the faith. And that's where my cutoff point occurs uh, with Bon Jovi. But I would much rather listen to a well-produced, awesome-sounding slab of record in the form of Crazy Nights than a what is to me now a shitty-sounding dirge of... Kiss wanting to be Alice in Chains. So I'd much rather Kiss wants to be Bon Jovi and Def Leppard than Kiss wants to be Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Pearl, probably Pearl Jam. Um, and, and, and maybe that's just because I, I'm a few years older than you and sure. I was embedded in that Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Twisted Sister, Rat, and all that of plays that. plays a role in it too. Yeah, in the mid-1980s. So mm-hmm. um, there are songs that I love on Carnival of Souls, but I really can't tell you the last time I listened to that album, but I can tell you that I listened to Crazy Nights last week. Ken, what about you? I listened to both albums today. So, um, yeah, it was kind of hard in a way to decide, but really, um, Crazy Nights is the more Kiss, you know, Kiss album or Kiss style album. Uh, the 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 fact of the matter is, yeah, they were wanted somebody to produce them and sound like Bon Jovi and Heart, because uh, that's what I think it is. I think it's Bon Jovi meets Heart kind of sound. Um, but the the songwriting is is pretty pretty good for the most part on the album. Most of the songs are pretty darn good, um, except for the you know again this it's, it's the problem with Crazy Nights was the production, um, in my mind again, and and they, they just needed they needed to not do it, you know, that way. I don't. There's no no reason to to chase Bon Jovi. Uh, it's just it just to me it didn't work. But having said that, it's better than Carnival Souls. Um, uh, you know, Carnival Souls. I like, in a way, uh, it would have been better again had they not had Toby producing it, I don't think. I think if it was more like Revenge production, it would have, it would sound better in my mind. Plus, it's another, it's another album that's heavy, Gene-dominated. Uh, the, the song quality on those, I think, Gene-dominates. And it fits his style. Obviously, it fits his style. The Paul stuff, I only like two Paul songs on the on Carnival Souls, and that's uh, what Jungle and the uh, the other one that for his son. Um, 
You don't like I'll Master be there. Slave? It's great. Right. Those are two great songs. Uh, but pretty much the rest of the Gene songs, and maybe except for one, I think they're all good and would have been great. Now, had they used the songs for Paul Stanley from that he did maybe on Psycho Circus and brought those back, and those would have been mixed with the Gene songs and then produced it. That would have been a probably a pretty good album. Anyway, <laughs> after going through all that, um, Crazy Nights I think is the more the better album, mostly because it's it's more it's still Kiss. It's this their style. Um, it's just the production neutered it a bit. Yeah, it's better rounded. I mean, it it really has better quality overall as well between the songs. I mean, one of the things that yeah. struck me with uh toby wright's production and hopefully one day i get the chance to you know ask him about that is that it feels rushed that they almost knew i I guess that the reunion was about to happen and they just kind of went through the motions and didn't give any attention to it just said get it done they didn't sit back and argue about mixes they didn't sit back and listen to a dozen layers they just took four basic instruments and mixed it and said okay we're done here mercury here's a new album whereas bob ezrin would have said no we need to go back in and fix this area we need to do this section we need to Mm -hmm. gene that lyric sucks gene come on you're not putting that on any album that i'm producing where whereas i i I don't know again i i I want to ask toby this It, it seems that he's more of an eddie kramer than a ron nevison on that album that he's produ- he's just recording it and then putting it together rather than really focusing on sounds and all of those elements that makes an album pump and mark as a musician will be able to speak more about that but but mark your take on that and everything that i've said that you disagree with oh i don't i don't disagree with you necessarily i'm just saying that uh well, first of all, let's get to my choice. I, I, I like Crazy Nights better. Uh, I think that might be a surprise to some people. Um, but I just think overall it's just better songs on there. I mean, we can talk about the production all day, about whether it's too weak or, you know, Nevison didn't give them enough nuts in the sound department for it. But, you know, it's it's definitely a sound that fit in for that time period. They definitely had a sound that was popular around that time. Unfortunately... I guess Kiss wasn't, you know, as popular as those bands that were really popular at the time, like the Bon Jovi's and those other ones that were discussed earlier on there. Um, as far as Toby Wright and what he did with Carnival of Souls, I think Julian might actually be right. It, it sounds like a rush job. Uh, and it's funny, I, one of my friends who were listening to it once with me said that it sounds like the songs got better in mix as the album goes on, it's like the first one was kind of like a hockey stick mix where they just threw all the faders up and said, that's good enough. And let's just put that down. And then as the songs went on, they started sounded better and better. But it's funny because I looked through Toby Wright's credits mm-hmm. of his production and his mixing thing. And there's a lot of albums that he's produced that I like that sound really good. I mean, ones that stand out to me. And I mean, you got to remember also too, because I know I'm going to get a couple of facial cringes when I mention them, but it's also a thing, time period, too, right? I mean, he did a Fear Factory record I like, Transgression. He also did Follow the Leader by Korn, which was a huge album for them. Uh, and I think he did a fantastic job on that. Um, he also th- has a lot of mixing credits. And for every album like Carnival of Souls, that way you poo-poo and say it sounds terrible, he's done other records that just, just sound fantastic. I mean, one of them that stands out for me the Allison Chains album Jar of Flies sounds really good. Mm-hmm. He he was involved with that. Uh, he's also involved involved with Jerry Cantrell's solo record. I'm pretty sure Boggy Depot. I think he did that as well uh, with him. And uh, there's yeah he, yeah he did Boggy Depot. But then there's also records too that he did that were fully produced, but he was re- responsible for only the mix that I didn't like, like Queen's Reich's Here in the Now Frontier. I hated the sound. And I was a huge Queensryche fan. So when that came out, I was like, ugh. He turned them into everything I didn't like at that time period, that kind of grungy radio thing. I was like, ugh, why did you do that to them, you know? It's, 
you know, but I mean, that it could have been what the producer wanted in the final mix, right? I mean, he also did Slayer's Divine Intervention, which is a record I didn't mind when it came out. It was pretty heavy as hell. So he can do it. He has the talent. He has the skill. So again, that points back to the question that Julian brought up. Was this a rush job? Was it like, you know, let's not, you know, spend too much time on sounds and waste too much money on it. We know we're going to do the reunion. So what the hell? Like, I, I think that's more the situation that happens. So mm. I think Crazy Nights is all the better for the attention to detail that they put. I mean, you can almost imagine Toby getting on the phone to Gene. Hey, Gene, I got a good, uh, got a reference mix. Let's get together and talk about, you know, what you want to do with it. And he comes on over, and Gene's like, "Okay, that's good. We're done. We're doing a reunion, yeah. with, you know, with uh, Ace and Peter. <laughs> uh, you know, thanks a lot. With well, that'll work just fine. And you know, it goes in the garbage can, in in essence. So, you know, again, I would love to know the context of did they sit down and mix? You know, what were the parameters? Obviously, we know that they were going for a more contemporary sound. I mean, God help anyone who says that they're going for contemporary, because that usually means clusterfuck or palava, Mm -hmm. uh, as as the case may be. Um, It it usually goes wrong. But, you know, what was the dynamic? Because they were rushing. They they came off tour in 95. You know, it was December. You remember getting the updates on AOL uh, back in, in the days of KAOL and Jerry Miller and Kiss Nation and all that. So they were in the studio and uh, what was it, Music Grinder? And it was done fast. I mean, it was recorded fast. And it was circulating very quickly after that. And, you know, when those bootlegs were you know, circulating and you got them, you're like, well, this is sludgy. And you're like, well, this is only like generated 10 times at this point. You're like, holy shit, this is a pretty, pretty bad sounding album even then. <laughs> and then it comes out and you're like, okay, I, I remember getting the, the promo CDs in for Mercury or Phonogram as it was in London. And I was, I was like, I couldn't wait to put it on and hear the full mix after revenge. I was expecting something to sound like Bob Ezrin had, tinkled angel dust over it and i was like what my Mm -hmm. my bootleg doesn't actually sound that much worse than this thing is so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that really is a problem with it whereas crazy nights while it may be over polished i think it also stands up better to the test of time because you can go back and listen to crazy nights and you're like holy shit that's mid 80s and it's dated but it still sounds solid and I go back and listen to Carnival of Souls, and other than maybe three or four songs, I confess, Master and Slave, Jungle. Hate. No. You don't like hate? Hate, is, hate? hate is good. I like hate. Hate's I like good. Hate. I like Master Slave. No. I like Rain. The one Paul song, I, I like Jungle. But I do like Rain, too. I think Rain's good. Mm. Seduction of the Innocent. So mm. I, I think I'm two jeans and two Pauls, evenly split honors for that album for mm. me. Whereas Crazy Nights, I'm probably going to tend far more toward, towards Paul's material on that yeah. album. Because, come on, I've always been more of a Paul songwriting fan than a Gene mm-hmm. fan, with the exception of Deuce. So, it's, and, and maybe for me, it's like the Gene songs are so much better on there than they are on Crazy Nights. Because Gene is pretty weak on Crazy Nights. Yeah. And I'm... You know, and, and I and I really like the darker Gene songs that appear on Carnival of Souls. So maybe maybe that's what does it for me. Yeah, it's yeah, not a, it's not a very high bar. Gene's material on Gene's material Nights. on Crazy Nights is pretty bad. Good Girl Gone Bad. She found no, love no, no, back no. in my car. It's pretty uh, bad. Well, other than <laughs> Hell or High Water, and I'm going to say the live version of No No No, which was way better just for what it, yeah. it allowed Eric and Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. His <clears throat> his material was really pretty dire. Pretty rough. The '80s mm-hmm. were unkind to the demon. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's pretty unkind to us in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ken, we've been all talking and just leaving you out of it. Any final thoughts on that before we move on to the next topic? Uh, on that? No. <laughs> I think we, we've, we've, we've butchered the topic. He said so his piece it's, on that. It's, yeah. it's enough. The voice it's of reason enough. says, no. No. Ed- edit her out. <laughs> okay. Exactly. All right. Well, let's go to your recommendation for... Uh, bit of discussion and of course the recent 25th anniversary of gene and paul raiding the detroit kiss convention and were they justified in stealing back all their stolen stuff 
well, give us the word. Yeah, well, as everyone knows, or most people know, that they there was a Detroit convention. Uh, what was that said? 95, right? Um, 94. Or 94, right before KISS launched their own, uh, <laughs> you know, set of convention shows. Because KISS conventions were happening, uh, were happening thing back around then. And anyway, uh, the deal is they stormed that Detroit convention and were, you know, grabbing back a bunch of their stuff, mostly, I think, uh, costume pieces, I believe, um, that somehow got into the hands of fans or whoever. Um, and I mean, the thing is, were they justified in getting these uh, back? Uh, because it seems that the warehouse that these were in uh, was the payment stopped and they kind of let go of it and didn't pay to keep it. And I think these pieces were auctioned off as far as I know. Um, so if people had bought those, why, you know, if they, you know, bought them legally, I guess, uh, to a degree, how, why can, or how can kiss go back and, and grab them? Um, there's that, uh, uh thread, where this came from on the message board where they also put a, a bill of coins comments about that situation. And he says that they're the kisses business manager at the time. Uh, they, they told him, say, Hey, the man, you know, what do you want to do with this warehouse full of the kiss stuff? You know, do, do, do they just the guys want it or anything? And they, the guy told, you know, the man, business manager at the time said no. And, you know, let it go. And so that's what happened. So did he ever go back to Gene and Paul and ask them if they wanted to let that stuff go or not? Um, it's, so it's kind of, to me, it's, it all depends on how it happened. But I think they let it go. It's gone. They shouldn't have been able to, you know, get that stuff back. That's just my opinion on it. Uh, and I think, I think if those people who had that in their possession, they could have said, "Hey, you know, fight to get that back if they paid for it." I mean, it's it's not their fault that the band let that warehouse go and they stopped making payments or whatever. They want to keep it, so I, I don't know. So I don't know what your thoughts on that were. Possession were is nine-tenths of the law. Exactly. And if I put something out at my curb and someone, you know, we have like bulk pickup twice mm -hmm. a year. And if I put something, before bulk pickup even comes, if I put something like a used lawnmower out at my curb, before bulk pickup even comes, there's looters that go around the neighborhood and start picking shit up and put it in the back of their trucks before bulk pickup even comes. If I put something out at my curb that I don't want it anymore, and I'm making it clear I don't want it anymore, well, then I can't go and say, hey, well, I found out that that's worth some money, so you know what? I kind of want it back. You can't. I, I don't agree with it. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. And once those people had it, and you didn't want to make payments on the warehouse anymore, and you thought it wasn't worth anything, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think it's right. Right. Lonnie's on the side of the Jawas. R2D2. <laughs> That's Star Wars reference. You know, doesn't doesn't matter, huh? Um, you know, I've heard different things. You know, number one, the warehouse apparently someone was selling stuff out of it long before uh, rent was up. So a lot of the stuff had gone into the ecosystem illegally. That it was being sold by people or persons unknown um, mm. <laughs> out of there who had access to it um, wholesale in some cases. Yeah. And I think it's also a matter that Kiss really is a dinosaur. Gene and Paul are very slow on the uptake. So when they saw the expos and the fan conventions in the 80s, it was no big deal. It didn't really register. Eric Carr going to them, it was all nice. No, these are our fans. And then they kind of saw how much money was being generated from it. So I think ultimately yeah. 
the conventions yeah. were their own, you know, worst enemy, that they became too mm-hmm. successful, that people could go there and buy bootlegs, they could buy all sorts of things, and then these collectibles started showing up there, whether they were being shown off by proud owners, taking them out of their cellophane wrappings and mothballs once a year for a little bit of ego stroking of look what I've got, or also to offer on the market. So they may well have said, well, fuck that. What, what's going on with our warehouse? And I don't know who, who the managers were, whether it was Jesse or Larry Mazur or whomever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, find out what's going on with our shit. Because when Gene and Paul, I presume, look at something, they either think it's theirs or they don't care how it got onto the market if they think it's theirs. So, you know, go uh, take that, take that. Mark was showing the video before. I mean, someone who bought it for cash, they could even have had the person selling it write them a receipt. You know how much that's worth? Zip, if that person didn't have the authority to, to sell. So I think they just saw the commercial opportunity at a time where they were not doing the best in terms oh. of their touring, touring on the revenge tour. <laughs> Um, was that a beer delivery? Yeah, I know. She just threw it at me. I was like, come on. You just have that effect on people when you're talking on, kiss. sister. You, you talk kiss. There she is. Becky wants to strangle you. You're talking about that fucking band again. A little peek behind the curtain of what my life's really like. <laughs> Lonnie, I'll send flowers. We will, we will remember you every day. On July the 18th, the day Lonnie finally pissed off Becky enough to strangle him. Um, So I I think getting back to what we're supposed to be talking about is that Gene and Paul simply saw a good opportunity. They saw the the conventions making way too much money. They saw stuff of dubious providence and took the opportunity because, again, as you've said, Ken, possession is nine-tenths of the law. And uh, it was Lonnie. I just agreed with it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, as Ken said, possession is nine-tenths of the law. No. <laughs> um, that they had the lawyers and the oh, police gosh. with guns in order to get that shit back. And they got guns. And they got they, guns, they, too. Yeah, they had guns. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Mark, I need a sip of beer. Take over. Well... Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I agree with a lot of what was said in general about this. I mean, it, to to me, my opinion on it weighs on what the actual story is, and I guess the problem with that is that we probably don't know what the real story is. Mm-hmm. Is it a situation where these people got it legitimately? Probably not. Some of these pieces, I can imagine that maybe some of them were, you know, five finger discounted from the warehouse and then sold you know, somewhere in, in a shady parking lot somewhere for money, right? And if that's the case, then I guess they have a foot to stand on to say that they want it back if they didn't get rid of it themselves, right? But, you know, it, it's like it's like you said, though. How long have these conventions been going on? How long have these things been out in public eye? And only at that point did they start really caring mm-hmm. about it? I think you know you make it made a made a valid point, Julian. I mean, now that they started seeing dollar signs, you know, chinging in their eyes, only then did they probably start going back in there and saying, okay, no, 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 we want this all back, you know. And that's the part of the video that always makes me crack up is when you see Paul going this here, no, no, this here, this, this, take this, and the guy's probably <laughs> just sitting there going, what the fuck, man? The guy, you know, the guy's like just going through and just decimating his whole collection without, you know, no remorse at all. You know, just take that, take that, take that. I mean, I honestly surprised that I'm honestly surprised that there wasn't a dealer in there, you know, that didn't say no, no, no. And started having like a pulling contest with them trying to get it back from them. Come on. That that would have been hilarious. Yeah, None of the dealers had lawyers or legal advice because I'm sure they could have said "Uh, not so fucking fast, buddy. I mean, Paul is just emotionless because that's his shit and you're the thief to him. So it doesn't matter how you got it. So I can totally understand him having to be that way. He's not going to have a conversation with you. Well, you know what? You really shouldn't have been sold that. You know, could I have it back, please? <laughs> no. Who, who the, no, it's yeah. like take that shit right now or else. And the people there are like deer in, you know, headlights. Yeah, saying, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know, the lawyer would be saying, 
show me some fucking evidence. You know, yeah. everyone hates lawyers until you need one, right? And that's when you yeah. need one. When uh, when a band's in there with cops too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, every, everyone bags on cops as well. Um, but but here's here's kind of the the part with it that as soon as Kiss sees the dollars, yeah, it's their you know come on they're the band we're the fans. That's what it's there it's their money and if you suddenly start making a lot of money on their name or with their shit then of course they're going to take an interest mark back to you sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt <clears throat> um yeah no i mean i was i was agreeing pretty much with what you were saying i just thought it was funny though that there wasn't much of a a fight from the people there who had it because i mean if, if these things are as valuable as you know we think they are you would think that some of them would have probably tried to stand up and keep a few of these items but i think i think some of them were probably not so much deer in headlights but probably were sitting there in shock going cool man paul stanley's on my booth man this is awesome you know even though they're taking stuff from him right <laughs> even you know? he's, but, <laughs> he's, he's totally taking my collection man it's great you know he you but... like, takes his boots <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean i you know if, if it's one of these what if things like what would have happened if by chance there was a lawyer present in that audience you know what would what would you have said in that situation would you have said that they were in the right and the wrong i'm really curious about that because you know i think both parties had some feet to stand on each way but you know look i mean nobody wants to get ripped off i mean being in a band myself i'm lucky very lucky that was never one of those bands that had a situation that I've seen many times happen where you could play a gig, you know, take your stuff, you go to the hotel and in the morning you come out and you have a busted window and half your shit stolen from your vehicle from a gig. And nobody likes that kind of shit. And sometimes it's impossible to find the stuff afterwards. Right. So I can understand the anger and the aggravation of having your stuff taken without, you know, you selling it. Right. So I, I can understand that end of it. So, uh, I guess I kind of lean toward Paul and Gene. You know, I, I would love to see if um, Paul's Labou V ever surfaced. How he oh. how he'd react to that? You know, the one that was stolen from the what was it Village yeah. Recorder in LA yeah. when in August '74. Uh, yeah, that would be yeah. interesting because there was a lot of stuff around that time. They certainly picked up interest, and I guess maybe people didn't get the message because Christie's auctions where they were selling stuff and kiss went out with press releases saying that that is fake shit do not buy it and force christie's to and that's a reputable auction house um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's almost echo of the recent stuff with uh peter and the shark earring Mm -hmm. you know Uh, oh really yeah so you know it's not something that's going to go away and i i would think these days as Kiss reaches the end of the road, people with those collections that they've been showing off may want to actually put some of that shit away, um, especially those of dubious providence. You know, if anyone ever sees a double platinum alive award presented to Sean Delaney, well, that was fucking stolen from his funeral. So, you know, really, uh, there is there is stuff that when it surfaces, it's going to point to who you know mm-hmm. who did mm-hmm. wrong you know just like the instruments there's costume parts there's things you know what what is it the uh the panthers from destroyer tour the first set went missing mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of a lot of cool shit but uh it'll all come out in the end or to be at goodwill sam t serpent original prototype found a <laughs> goodwill in albuquerque or somewhere so <laughs> oh well that's that's why I got rid of all my shit. All right, um, let's move on to another one of these top. This is a quick one, and uh, again, just two songs off the top of your head tonight. Uh, Ace Frehley to reunite with his former Frehley's Comet bandmates at this year's Cruise Fest. Um, you know what? Return of the Comet have been fucking tearing it up at the shows. I, I can't believe how well they're working, how fun those performances are. It's great to hear that catalog of songs again. What are two songs, if you were going to the Cruise Fest, that you would love to hear Ace get up on stage and do? And you are not allowed to state the obvious Rock Soldiers and Cold Gin. It has to be something interesting. <laughs> Lonnie. Mm, I knew you were going to do that. Of course. Because you were thinking about that beer. 
Mm. Two songs for me from Ace Freely. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, Breakout, of course. Breakout. And Into the Night. Well, they're, they're, that's like saying Beth and rock and roll all night, but okay. Oh, okay, well, well, fine. How about <laughs> God, <It's> America? <laughs> no, five yeah. cards, five cards stud. How about that? Richie's not in the band. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, he is. I'm sorry, Jesus, ah! Richie. Oh, God. I'm damned by five my stud. I love by, five cards by stud. being difficult. I'm damned. I uh, love five cards. Mm-hmm. That's me. No, that would be fun. Cool. All right, Ken. Okay, I'm thinking Love Me Right and We Got Your Rock. Oh, nice. I like those two a lot. Those are back-to-back on the album. Those are really good. I love Love Me Right. That's just got a great swing to it. Hey, I Mm -hmm. can't even say anything obnoxious. Mark. Good. (laughs) Well, I, I was going to agree with uh, We Got Your Rock. I definitely think that's a good one to pick. And, uh, I mean, I also kind of like Do Ya. I mean, I, I've always thought that that was an interesting uh, cover that they, that they did. Yeah. yeah, but I, I think I think it's a good good version. Ace, Ace usually doesn't do too badly with covers, I find. So uh, I, sometimes I'd rather hear him do those songs than some of his own, to be honest. I mean, I'd rather hear Do Ya than Dolls. I mean, come on. That's a terrible <laughs> song, so. <laughs> I like my dolls. I hate that song. I like my dolls. All right, so what am I going to do? <laughs> We're going to go back to 1994-95, Take Me to the City. Mm-hmm. I want to go a little bit wow. obscure, and I want Richie and Ace, and I think Todd can really bring something to that as well. Um, and then, of course, I think they really need to dedicate Back on the Streets to Vinny. Yes. Yes. Oh no! Dedicate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, Freddy's comet did it, so it's fair. Yes. It's completely fair, and right. it's probably the only way we're gonna get a live performance of that song. So why not have Ace and Richie and Todd? There we go. I'm a troublemaker. I'm gonna burn it. Love now. it. And I'm okay with that. All right, so let's see. Where are we up to with these? Kiss albums you feel that aren't far off becoming a concept album. Oh, boy. It seems only appropriate to go to Canada when we're talking about concept albums. Well, the, the only record that comes to mind that, you know, isn't was never officially set to be a concept record, but... I've heard many stories about it, and even I think the podcast did a big thing about this as well. Was my favorite Kiss album of all time, Destroyer? You know, it's a gold <laughs> record. Come on! Yeah, it, that's right. But you know, but, I, you know I'm so glad I chose you first. Amazing so how great. that happens. So great. <laughs> but you know, I I understand the theory. I mean, Ken Mills did a great thing about how. The, story, the, the songs kind of flow into sort of a story. And when he kind of presented it, I was like, yeah, it, it makes sense that that could have been kind of looked at as a concept. I mean, I don't think that that's what they initially intended, but, you know, it kind of does make you think that it could have been worked out into a concept record. But honestly, I thought long and hard about this topic. And I, for one, can't think of any other record that Kiss has done that could be even slightly thought of as a concept record. Maybe Julian can, you know, help me out here. I mean, I'm not obviously not the obvious thing like the elder or something like that, but you know, I mean, that we know was supposed to be, but wasn't right. Okay. Lonnie. Um, I think this story is the obvious pick. I mean, other than the other, obviously, but I think, I think you could look at Psycho Circus as being a type of concept record, not mm-hmm. far off from a concept record. Between the opening song of You're in the Psycho Circus, mm-hmm. I want to see from within, you know, I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll type thing. 
and ending with this journey of a thousand years, kind of summing up the whole history and the whole concept of the band. I think Psycho Circus could easily be looked at as a con- as as a kind of record. It's it's interesting because they did say there was supposed to be their you know their next kind of destroyer record, so maybe you're on. Yeah, that. so they're there so you could look at them as kind of as kind of like sister albums. You know, ex, you know, from the way the album starts off, and then the way Journey of a Thousand Years ends with the same guitar solo in that's in Psycho Circus, you could definitely look at it as a concept album. That's my thing. It's Psycho Circus. Hmm. Fair enough. I, you know what? Mm-hmm. I always loved what Podcast did with their analysis of Destroyer, and that really did kind of make it clear that yeah, there is an underlying thematic kind of structure to the songs and the steps but i think you can also apply that same kind of logic or beer logic to (laughs) an album like creatures of the night where you start off with the declaration that this is about the night the creatures of the night and what happens at night usually nothing good happens at night so you've got saints and sinners and killer what also happens at night? Naughtiness, so keep me coming. Wow. Um, oh, damn, Gina. And then you've had too much of a good thing, so you got to get out of that rock and roll hell. And <laughs> wow. Momentary flashback to the Elder, and you're in danger. And, you know, flip it over. Okay. It, it's all about... Flip the, it over? What? It's <laughs> all about the night. It's all about the CD. It's all about... Again, it's got a it's a concept of sleaze. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And never looked at it that way. A couple more beers and it might make sense to me. There you go. Yeah, you know, I, I say I saved Ken for last just to talk us down off this ledge that we're on. Well, it's, <laughs> and it's, who's crazy and who's not? It's tough. I mean. Um, <laughs> What, to, talk, to talk is doubt or or what? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, I was kind of looking over them, uh, the albums, and yeah, I can, I can see uh, Lonnie's point. I can see um, Mark's point. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, the one I thought was could be turned into a concept would be the very first album. Um, it's to me, it just reeks of new york city new york mm. um and to me it's more about uh, on the streets of that of the city and what goes on in the city you know with strutter uh walking the streets of new york nothing to lose maybe it's more prostitution related i don't know but um mm. um firehouse you know that that's all you know there's a firehouse as you're walking th- through the streets in new york city cold gin again it's like the action of new york it is it is it's just all it's just all new york um let me know maybe you know um i'm not gonna mention kissing time because that's kind of was added Added later on anyway it doesn't really fit with the rest but deuce um and well love scene from kiss is just instrumental so can't go there um but a hundred thousand years maybe but black diamond especially Black Diamond. Uh, a lot of those songs fit together, but it's, it's all. I I just when I listen to that album, I just see the down and dirty parts of New York City of the time back in the seventies, where it was pretty. It was pretty, you know, garbage infested and dirty, and a lot of that was going on at the time before they cleaned it up. I mean, it's all been cleaned up now, yeah. uh, but back then it was really grimy. It's very grimy back then. Has it really been cleaned up? It fucking smelt pretty bad. Well, and, you were just there, Julie. Yeah, tw- twice in the last two years, and uh, come on, it wasn't that clean. It was like San Francisco, <laughs> only muggier. Well, San Francisco's the worst. In <laughs> they're they're like well, a- it- New York City and San Francisco are analogs. They're just on different <laughs> coasts, and uh, one has more bugs than the other. Hmm. But it is it is it is interesting though because when you th- when you think Seriously. about that. The comparisons, all those songs do have kind of dis- they're like descriptive situations of New York City. Like Cold Gin is definitely like every corner liquor store that you could get into, and you know because it's it's, it's, a, it's almost just 
yeah, it's almost described in within the song that way, right? Yeah. You know, you, you can go to any kind of store around the corner and get yourself some booze and go back to the house or whatever, and that's exactly. it. I mean, it, it, it's a good it's a good point. I, I never really looked at it that way. Yeah, they're, it's like the first album is like a snapshot of New York City, each song. Yeah. Well, that's what they knew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. They have it. That's interesting. We're gonna have to spin that album now and all four of us with different opinions. That's interesting. Ooh, what happened there? I know. That's what makes the show interesting. Yeah. All right. Lemmings. Let us see. Do we have any more? Mark, Lonnie, anything you want to add in? Mm. Lonnie's now logging into the Kiss FAQ. I am. I am caught. <laughs> so, Oh shit! Oh, you put me again. on the spot. Yeah, that's that's the nice thing about the board, though. It does gives us ideas. Yeah. Well, here's one. I mean, on Facebook soon, and that's uh, the new Pit Stop series, which has been announced for. Is it tune in tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time? Kiss backstage footage, scenes, crews, interviews, and all that. So maybe something's finally gonna start happening. Well. Except King of Hearts 89, who says, well, that was a big nothing. <laughs> Maybe not. All right, well, let's leave that there this, for this week. Uh, again, there was one little bit more of a topic that I think would take a little bit more time to talk about. And since I have some chicken in the oven, um, I think we'll leave that for, <laughs> for next week. <laughs> hey, always got to be honest. Dinner is more important than, uh, than talking kiss especially when it's a yummy dinner like that. So, all right, let us know what your thoughts are. You know, we've tackled a whole bunch of uh, kind of topics that have been going on. What do you prefer? Do you prefer hair metal kiss or grunge kiss? Tell us that we're wrong as well with our opinions on it. Uh, what two songs would you love to hear? Ace do with a reunited Frilly's Comet. That is, of course, the uh, return of the Comet are performing at the Kiss Fest, or pardon me, the Cruise Fest in Miami. Mm. Uh, go to cruisefest.com or is it kisscruisefest.com whatever you'll find it it's mm -hmm. on facebook it's all over the place uh david garibaldi opening up for the third leg of the tour thoughts on that especially if you have not yet seen a show if you have seen a show and seen david don't chime in because you've already seen him um then of course kiss albums that you feel aren't far off being a concept album so and what do you think of Gene and Paul stealing everyone's shit in 1994? <laughs> <laughs> get, get the feeling they'll be doing the rounds again, as I've already mentioned. So that's it for now. Do tune in to Pods and Sods, a six-pack of Peter Chris, which was really fun to do with Lee and Eric. Um, you might even hear something new. Who knows? So for now, from Ken, from Lonnie, from Mark and myself, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.